Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Chris Day, who is Vice President of Operations at ADP. Chris and I met while we were at Equifax and we worked in their commercial division. We helped bring several groups into the world of agile development. I really enjoyed working with him. Chris is smart, he's hardworking, and is willing to go the extra mile to get the job done. In addition, he's an insane athlete who's constantly raising the bar on that Strava app. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's been really just kind of, you know, stay in touch with you through Strava. I was joking about that, but it's, it's been a cool way to, to stay connected. So um, it's a little bit of, little bit of competition and uh, motivation at the same time. Absolutely. It's become like one of my preferred uh, social media sort of contacts because it's all about people trying to better themselves. And I, I love that. Yeah. More positivity in any social <laughs> arena is a good thing. So, yep. well, cool. Well, let's get started with, uh, Tell me a little about you. Where'd you grow up? Tell me a little about your background. Sure. So I am a native of Orange Park, Florida, which is a suburb of Jacksonville. I was born and raised there. And, uh, you know, in high school was a soccer player and a band geek. So I played trombone in the band and in the marching band. And uh, school-wise, you know, I always kind of preferred the math and science side of things. And, um, that actually kind of got me thinking when it was time to pick a college, where did I want to go and what did I want to do? And uh, ended up going to Florida State. It was kind of a good distance away. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was uh, also going there and, uh, you know, just kind of picked it from a very short list at the time and uh, went to school at Florida State and studied meteorology. All right. Well, hold my... on. We're going we're gonna to back up just a second. I want to <laughs> dig into your... your uh your high school a little bit. So you, um, you were an athlete, musician, um, enjoyed math. So were you, were you thinking um, just from a sports perspective, you wanted to pursue that in college or um, did you think that was going to be, um, you know, something that you were just going to end in high school and do something different in, in college? I'm sure like most kids that play sports in high school, you have dreams of taking it to the next level. I actually had the benefit of a brother that seven years older than I am mm-hmm. that did play um, Division One soccer at Central Florida oh, and wow. kind of saw him go through that experience and, you know, obviously talked to him about it. I was kind of the little kid that my parents drug along three hours south to Orlando to go watch him play <laughs> occasionally, yeah. but uh, saw, you know, what that was like and, you know, didn't really want to pursue it kind of based on his experience. Uh-huh. And, um, and also, you know, the school that I chose did not have and does not have a men's soccer team. Uh, they have a women's team, but uh, uh, like, you know, many schools, uh, many people don't know that, but many, many schools only have women's programs for soccer. So mm. yeah, that wasn't something I wanted to pursue, but I did carry forward the musical side of things where I was in the marching band at Florida State uh, for the first couple of years there. Which is a big deal. I mean, for those that aren't too familiar with it, I mean, it's a pretty massive band. You've got to be pretty, pretty good. It's pretty involved and w- widely recognized as a really great band. Yeah, I think 400 plus marchers. And yeah. it's a serious commitment. You know, two hours a day, we would practice during football season. Mm-hmm. And we'd put on a brand new show every week or every yeah. home game, I should say. So yeah. a lot of time required, obviously prepping for that, but that becomes kind of like your family in college and a uh, fantastic experience. Yeah. So high school um, math, were you thinking, hey, I want to do something to kind of further things? Were you thinking uh, going into computer science or some other technical, as we call it a STEM program these days? But 
Um, what were you kind of thinking as, as you were looking at colleges? So honestly, Paul, at the time, I <laughs> didn't think much about it. And, yeah. you know, I see my own kids that are both teenagers now. And my daughter's a junior kind of going through what they go through where they, they kind of pick a track early on and, you know, focus their studies in certain areas. That was not the case. It mm-hmm. was kind of like I enjoyed that. I did better on like the math portion of the SAT and, and things yeah. like that. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I kind of picked the college quite honestly before I picked the major. Okay. And then, uh, and then pick the major once I decided where I wanted to go. So how was, how did Florida State get on your radar? I mean, obviously you're in, in Florida, so it's one of the big state schools. Was it something that they offered that others didn't or was it location or intangibles? I think it was the location thing. I mentioned the girlfriend thing a while ago, you know, that was That's a factor. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That probably affects half of the uh, college admissions for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that had a, had a definite, definite uh, weighting in the, in the factor there, but then, you know, it was a good distance, quite honestly, it's three hours from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, University of Florida is a lot closer. I'd say more people that I graduated with ended up going to Florida, but I, I kind of looked at state universities. I had this Florida scholars at the time, which is like, you know, Zell Miller in Georgia mm-hmm. where, you know, lottery funded scholarship program that I qualified for. So I, lo- I was looking in state and uh, just kind of picked that one and no real uh, a- a- additional thought that went into that. It was just kind of good distance and some of those other factors that I mentioned. Gotcha. So what did, what did you uh, major in when you first started there? Yeah. So meteorology. Okay. And so I mentioned, I picked the school first and then I started looking at what programs they offered. And that's something that Florida state does have that's unique. So there are not that many colleges um, in the country that have meteorology programs and uh, very few in the Southeast. And so I saw that that was something I could take advantage of that kind of aligned to what my interests were. And so, yeah, I declared early on and started down that meteorology path, which is extremely math and science heavy. I actually ended up with a minor in, in math and physics as a result of the meteorology degree. Okay. However, um, <laughs> about two years in, when I started thinking about what am I going to do for a living after I get this degree, mm-hmm. the job prospects were, I'd just say, much different at the time for meteorology than they were for like a tech career. Um, this was in the late nineties and, you know, dot-com stuff was starting to boom. And, uh, I, I just kind of did the practical thing and added computer science. So I ended up graduating with a double major in meteorology and computer science. And it turns out that I pursued the computer science career and, and left meteorology as just kind of a novelty degree. Yeah. Because I know that's, um, I don't want to call it a niche area, but there's, you know, it's not like they're hiring thousands of meteorologists every year, right? So you have to sort of, um, you know, you see the obvious, you know, broadcasting meteorology or like weather.com and some other uh, places have those. But um, yeah, I think the prospects for computer science are probably much more lucrative than going down the meteorology route. Yeah, the the job prospects for meteorologists at the time, at least, definitely you could be a, a news weatherman. Uh, I wasn't, I was kind of, you know, introverted, not super comfortable in front of a camera and, and didn't ever really consider pursuing that. And then another popular career path is uh, the National Weather Service. And so when we get our weather reports from those guys that are on the news, yeah, uh, they're, 
those reports are coming from weather stations that are all over the country. And those are, you know, typically manned by people that are launching weather balloons a couple times a day and taking uh, measurements of what's going on and reporting that back. And that didn't really appeal to me coming out because you, you, it's one of those things you kind of start, start somewhere pretty, pretty remote and work your way up. And uh, that just uh, having, I guess, a, more options and more stability, if you will, with a IT tech career was just better for me. Yeah. So tell me about your parents. Were they, um, what were their thoughts on your, your major and school and were they giving you any guidance or they just kind of let you sort of figure out your way? Yeah, I think they kind of let me figure out my way. They were extremely supportive parents, love them to death. Um, and they were, you know, at every home football game supporting me in the marching band uh-huh. and, uh, and, and just a great support throughout my childhood and, and still today. And, but from, in terms of what I wanted to major in and what career I wanted to pursue, I just don't really remember them pushing me in any direction. Yeah. So yeah, the, the marching chiefs, um, did you tell me was your expectations? Cause I, I played in the band in high school. So I kind of know that experience, but college is a whole nother level. So were you surprised or were there, um, things that you experienced in, in college, you know, good or bad, or some of the, just the, um, the uniqueness of having that size of a marching band, what was your experience like with them? It was, it was pretty incredible. I mean, I remember that very first home game when I marched out on the field and remember uh, this is in the nineties and Florida state was extremely (laughs) good good at football. Yep. Uh, I mean like 10 consecutive years of top five finishes. It it was, um... I probably saw you on TV several (laughs) times a year because my wife's a Florida state grad. I watched a lot of their football games. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, coming out for the pregame show and just having, you know, 80,000 people screaming was, Mm -hmm. yeah. Gives me goosebumps just talking about it now. So yes, yeah, definitely a different, uh, experience there. And then just the commitment was not something I was prepared for uh, going in because in high school, you typically learn one show and you practice that show the entire season. And then you have competitions at the end of the marching season. Mm-hmm. But in college, yeah, it's, it's a brand new show for every home game. So you could have practices where you're working on two or three shows in one practice. And so keeping that all straight and you know, believe it or not, most of the music ended up being memorized. So yeah. you're learning the music, you're learning where to position yourself on the field. And uh, there's just a big commitment to make that all come together. You had a pretty serious academic rigor there with what you were taking and majoring in. I, there were probably folks you played with that maybe music majors. So this was kind of in their, you know, kind of in their sphere. Um, did, did you struggle with balancing the workload there? I, I didn't. I was uh, very focused on my studies through college. Uh, I, I'd like to think I was a little bit maybe wise beyond my years. I didn't have maybe the typical college experience. I didn't party a lot. It's kind of what I'm trying to get at. I actually <laughs> focused in quite a bit on my studies and my wife was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we actually ended up getting married right after we graduated. So we kind of like had that goal. We had been together for a very long time. Uh, we wanted we knew we wanted to do that. We were engaged for a couple of years and, and we kind of had that uh, goal that we were both working towards. So we both worked very hard to excel in college so that we had good job prospects coming out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she got her master's degree and her undergrad and her master's in the four years that I got the two majors. So wow, 
think we both uh, just wanted to get through that and excel and like I said see where that led next so did you did you do any internships or what were you thinking coming out of college what your your next step was going to be no internships for me uh, that was not really on my radar at the time uh, come to think of it I don't even know of any of my friends that did it um, not to say that it, that, that it didn't happen, but not the path I pursued. I kind of had the typical summer job of, you know, go work at pizza delivery place. Whatever pays the most per hour, right? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Or wherever I could, you know, go work with some friends and drive a delivery car around and <laughs> deliver pizzas, which was a great job and made me help me to appreciate kind of what it would be, what it is like to work that type of a job. Uh, and yeah, made some money doing that. But then I, I, I went to school every summer, I think, except for the first and, uh, was just, you know, trying to accelerate through, as I mentioned. Gotcha. What was your first job out of college? So my first job was with a company called the summit group. And it it was a boutique consulting company that did ERP implementations. They recruited pretty heavily at Florida state and some other places, but you know, they had some employees that had come from Florida state and came down and, uh, you know, did the interview cycle with, with others. And just, I really kind of liked what they had to offer and, and started down that path. Were you thinking consulting was going to be what your future was? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of like, uh, they were offering me a job, seemed like a good culture, paid well, and got me to Atlanta, which Uh kind of, joint decision with my wife and in terms of where we wanted to move to. Yeah. And that, that was some of the reasons that I, I chose them. And, you know, it was a great first job. They actually kind of catered to the recent college grads and we went to a training program. I remember it was kind of like a, how to be an adult program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they did some technical training for uh, everybody that was there, but it was a lot of just like business etiquette and, and those types of things, which was, was very helpful. And then in the, I, I only spent one year there. The, the company went through a few different name changes. It was like going to be part of an acquisition and it ended, ended up rolling into cyber consulting. But uh, it was a, a great experience to get to travel to different cities and work at different companies and, and get just a little bit of a taste of what the working world was like. Um, the reason I was only there for a year is that when I was in college, you know, Java and like the internet and .com was the thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd studied that, you know, C++ and Java heavy program. And then I got a job working for the Summit Group and I was doing RPG programming on AS400 <laughs> for loss and ERP package implementations. Yeah. And it just like wasn't what I was into and Mm -hmm. I was seeing what many of my friends were doing. And, and I was pretty quick to decide that I wanted to try something else. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those older green screen applications were certainly not sexy by any stretch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They still have their place today, but as you said, they weren't sexy to a, you know, 21 year old coming out of college. Yeah. I know at Mannheim, the, and they may still be running those today. That was their auction systems and they were solid. Um, they worked fantastic, but you know, if, like you said, you know, if you're going through, 
you know, some of the, the more interactive things and mobile applications and some of that, it's, it's a whole different world. And I think that was, you know, I took computer classes in college, um, but I just, I did not like, you know, there would, my, I think it probably a decade older than you. So it was like Fortran and COBOL and having to run these compilers and having these big green and white printouts. And I just didn't like any of it, you know, but eventually my career got me into some of the newer technologies and that would have made probably a big difference if I was in school today. So yeah, yeah. Come along I, I, ha- sure. I did have to take Fortran in college that was because yeah. of the meteorology degree, actually, not because of computer science, yeah. because like we said, National Weather Service, government, older sort of computer programs, that's what we were taught. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there's a place for it. So, but it's mm-hmm. uh, few and far between. So, so you, um, uh, you said you're there a year. So tell me about, were you thinking about moving in a different direction? What did that thought process look like? Yeah, I wanted to do Java programming was the path I wanted to pursue. And I started looking for my next opportunity. And this was in 2000. So there were a lot of opportunities in the Atlanta market at the time. Yeah. But I ended up taking a job at um, MetLife. And it was a fantastic move for me. So I really grew up professionally there, but started there as a computer programmer doing Java development. Hmm. And so you were thinking management was in your future or did you like doing programming? Yeah, management wasn't even on my radar when I got started. I wanted to just be the techie guy that, you know, coded stuff. And I did that for a number of years and got pretty good at it, got to be pretty reliable, dependable, producing quality code and, and doing good things there. And then had an opportunity to do a little project management as kind of like a, say, stretch assignment and did really well with that. And that led to some additional opportunities and just got me into maybe a little bit different way of thinking about things, which was really good for me. And, you know, that just, it kind of, I kept kind of growing and I'd say growing away from the hardcore technical stuff more into project management and then eventually management and kind of up the chain in my, during my 13 years at MetLife. Gotcha. Yeah. You're there a while. Um, I was. Yeah. yeah, Was there, um, did you have any mentors while you were there? I had many. Yeah. So MetLife was a New York, New Jersey based company and I would travel up there occasionally, but we had a pretty good presence in the Southeast in both Atlanta and in Greenville, South Carolina. And so as I got into management, I actually had teams that I was responsible for in Greenville. So I was commuting back and forth, you know, every other week for a while and managing the teams up there. And that was a a really good environment, really good culture in that office, uh, kind of small town feel within Mm -hmm. the company, if you will. And a lot of great mentors that were a part of, you know, my time while I was up there. Got you. So that, um, did you enjoy the insurance business? Cause that's, that's very different than, um, you know, some other industries that I've been a part of, but uh, curious to see how you liked it. Yeah, I did. I didn't get that close to the business side of things. And so looking back, that's something that I would have liked to have done more of. And as I've gotten further along in my career, something that I I'm wanting to intentionally pursue a little bit more is the business side of things. Mm-hmm. When I started at MetLife, I was doing, they called it e-services. So it was like the single sign-on application and the e-signature application and 
those types of common services that were used across many of the different web platforms. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was a eligibility feed, which it's like all these companies are sending their eligibility files for whoever needs dental insurance, for instance. And it's kind of like a dump of their HR system. And then we'd have to take all those different formats and get it into our system. So you got a lot of like data transformation stuff that's going on, but it was a custom program. And I, I worked on that quite a bit. And that kind of led to responsibility of the eligibility system. And it it's, it's an important part of the insurance business, but I'd mm -hmm. say it doesn't really teach you a lot about what's really going on in terms of, you know, the actuaries determining who to, to insure and who not to insure. It's really just about the, the list of people that are eligible to receive benefits. Yeah. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of risk management involved in insurance and there's all kinds of different insurances, which I, you know, consulted last year with, a, with one company and I learned a tremendous amount. Like I had no idea all this stuff existed. So yeah. So 12 years, 13 years at MetLife, were you thinking you were going to be a, a lifer there or were you looking to maybe branch out a little bit? What were your thoughts? So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in a like environment that's good for me. And that was a fantastic environment, but until I'd say the last year. And then it became pretty apparent to me that if I wanted to continue to grow, I needed to look for a change. And they were moving operations, IT operations to uh, Cary, North Carolina. And so there were eventual plans to close the office. And I what I was kind of settled in the Atlanta area at that mm -hmm. time and, and didn't want to move. So, you know, that was one driver and it, I, I just wanted to see what else was out there and kind of test the waters. I had gotten up to a director level at that time. Mm -hmm. And so that got me looking and see what I could do in the Atlanta now Alpharetta area. Cause I was working in Alpharetta I had moved up that way and uh, started looking and ended up at Equifax. Yep. And that's where we met. I think you started probably what, six months before I did or something. Yeah. It might've even been less than that. I hadn't been there too long before you came on board. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good group. Um, coming into the commercial group, it was a small division. Um, felt like a, you know, in some ways, almost like a, a startup company, you know, you kind of knew everybody that you worked with. And I remember you and I were talking about, you know, we had all these roadblocks and challenges we had with trying to get our teams aligned or moving faster. And, you know, I think it was one day you're like, you know about this agile development yeah. thing and i'm like yeah i know a little bit about it you know we did that at Mannheim, and I'm like yeah let's do this and so it was just great to just be able to take an idea we had you know great management just allowed us to do it and the team was on board and i remember you and i traded you know best practices and shared notes and like how's your team doing okay great yeah i'll try that you know so it was really good it was fantastic learning experience uh just a time for us to take a little bit of a chance try something different like mm -hmm. I had said, I, I did a lot of more traditional uh, project management kind of waterfall stuff before and Agile was starting to get some buzz in the industry and, and wanted to try it out. So yeah, I think you and I both pursued our own training, got training for the teams that we were responsible for and mm -hmm. started piloting it in some areas and um, it really just started to catch on. And yeah, I spent the next several years kind of helping that idea to blossom in the different parts of Equifax that I worked in. Yeah. And you got to see different areas of the business as part of that USIS group. Um, yeah. Great reputation. I know that 
I always got great feedback from, you know, people that have worked with you. So um, were there some lessons that you kind of took with you as you went from MetLife to Equifax in terms of whether it was, you know, management techniques or motivation or just, you know, working with teams and, you know, making sure that they understood what, what the customer challenges were. Tell me a little bit about what your thought process was coming in. Yeah, I think I, you, you take bits and pieces from every role that you have. You are familiar with what you know, and then mm-hmm. you come into a new environment and you're like, oh, well, this is different, but a lot of it's the same. So one of the things that I had responsibility for at MetLife before I left was it's kind of like the pseudo office leader, office location leader for Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, kind of one of those cases where you're the last man standing many other people had left that were more senior than I was. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing activities once a week. We do like, you know, popcorn days to just get people out of their cubes and coming together to talk and socialize and, you know, be human and ask about families and kids. And I saw that those personal connections really made a difference in overall work performance. And I think that's one of the major things I brought with me and it translated translated well to the, the agile you know scrum teams that we were building out because mm-hmm. you're talking to everybody regularly you know yeah. as much as possible you should all be kind of joined at the hip and you don't want to do that if it's strictly professional you need to really have the personal side of things to make it you know enjoyable yeah yeah for sure um, yeah I know that things that you know, evolved as, as Equifax got, you know, into other areas, new opportunities there, you know, it was, it was a pretty good, pretty good time for growth. They were pretty stable, you know, stock was moving up. Um, tell me a little bit about as you grew your team, were there certain aspects as you hired people, what you looked for and some of the younger, because I know one of the things that you did was you actually created um, like a summer intern program, right? I think you were instrumental in doing that. I did. And uh, you know, thanks to some others that I know you've had on here and, and what they had done with interns. I, I kind of followed along in, in their footsteps for some of that, but I did go to like career fairs at tech and, and other places and got to talk to those that were coming out of college and was able to support both intern and co-op programs. And honestly, it was kind of hard to compete for tech students at Equifax because I don't think it had like the best, you know, reputation, at least at the time of a place that was on many of their, their radar. And so we'd lose them to other places, but we were able to get some in and, and from other schools as well. And I really enjoyed that. And I would always look for students that were just like good at figuring things out. Obviously the communication skills are extremely important for anybody in the workforce, but you know, somebody that doesn't have to be told exactly what to do and how to do it was uh, very helpful. And I found that there were, there were a lot of them, right? And mm-hmm. they were all anxious and, and to learn and to just try different stuff. And so those that were most successful and I think grew the most and that we honestly got the most value out of were those that we could just say, hey, here's this problem. And I don't know how to do it, like fix it or to solve for it, but why don't you go see what you can do? You know, check in periodically and let us know how you're doing. And if you need any help, and then let's see what we end up with. And had some great success with that type of arrangement. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that um, certainly the the generation in college, or even like the twenty five and under set, I think they're, I think they're, there's a lot of tools available to them, you know, through the web, obviously, and so you you can get empowered pretty quickly to learn about something, you know, Google or Wikipedia or YouTube, you know, you can pretty much learn anything, and so I think they're. I, I think about when I came out of college, I didn't have one resources, but it was sort of like this, all right, you know, just sit down, keep your mouth shut and just observe and listen. And then maybe five years, we'll ask you a question that you can actually help a customer <laughs> with, you know, yeah. but now things move so fast and you don't want that five years of, I'll call it dead weight, but you don't want people, you want people to come in and actually produce quickly. And so for a summer intern, that's not going to be there for eight to 12 weeks, you know, that's, that's a pretty short time to ramp up. But it really is certainly enough time for smart people that are curious, asking questions, able to, like you said, communicate. Some of the presentation skills are pretty amazing Um, and they come up with great ideas. So having those opportunities, you know, is really, really helpful in today's today's job market. I think so. I really do think that programs like that are a win win for uh, for everybody. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, you um, you stuck around Equifax through some pretty challenging times. I know I left a month before the breach happened, but you were there through a lot of change. So um, and I know changes as humans, change isn't easy. Um, so were there were there certain um, kind of just best practices that you as you manage your team through change to keep them motivated? Tell me a little about how you handled that with your teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it was challenging time. The workload just went up exponentially. There was a big shift towards, you know, security type programs, which there should have been. Mm-hmm. And that just uh, overnight kind of changed the way that we operated at Equifax. And yeah, I stuck around for a couple of years post-breach and it was uh, a, a great learning experience. You know, try and take the positive out of any situation. Yeah, uh, Extremely stressful at times, long hours for myself and, and many, many others to try and make a difference as quickly as possible. But, you know, it, it, um, it, it was something that you can't recreate, <laughs> nor yeah. should you try. But <laughs> having been through it, I took a lot out of it. Basically, like, how do you figure out what to work on when there's way too much to do? Like, yeah. how do you prioritize? And that whole idea of like prioritization when it comes to backlog you know, refinement and things like that from an agile perspective, it translates to non-agile worlds too, because my current job is, is I'd say less agile, but the need to prioritize it w- it is always there. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest things that I learned throughout that. And I had an opportunity to play, a, you know, a, a program management type role for the security and remediation efforts while there within USIS IT. And, and that was fantastic. So you got kind of the corporate decisions on what we're all going to focus on. And then I, you know, helped try and get those things done. Yeah. Yeah. I know there were some folks that, um, you know, really learned a lot. It was like you said, it's a unique opportunity, not one you'd want to repeat, but it, it, was a great example because I think they've, they've certainly turned things around with, you know, new leadership coming in, focus on security and the investment um, to really make big changes. So I know it's a very different organization than when I left just a couple of years ago. So were you, um, as you got to the end of your Equifax days, what were you, what were you thinking your next step might be? Yeah. Again, I, I put a heavy weight on location for next role, but then, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I thought I've at this point had getting close to 20 years of experience in, in IT and, you know, insurance, then kind of, you know, a credit bureau. And I ended up at ADP, which is where I am now, but I took a role that was outside of IT. So that was a little bit of a risk, but it, I'd say it's a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't a huge shift where it's an operations role. So I mentioned earlier on in our conversation that I wasn't that close to the business while at MetLife. And at Equifax, I got closer because I was in a professional services role where I was working with customers directly and helping to implement the solutions, you know, kind of setting up the connectivity and leading the development teams, but also doing a lot of the consulting, you know, internal consulting. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. So I got to see and hear from the customers directly. And uh, I, I not only like it, I, I feel like that is more suited to my skills nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point along the way, you know, I got my MBA and, and I didn't go like MBA with IT focus or even like a master's in IT. I, I've tried to diversify into more of a business type leadership role. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted something that was a little bit different and kind of getting me closer to the business. And I'm, I'm still kind of on that journey now. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's um, like you said, for sort of stepping out of your comfort zone, because you, you know, you always tend to learn a lot, you know, when you sort of push through that fear and, you know, take a bold step. And, you know, if you've got, you know, the right mindset and, you know, just the focus to, attack anything that is in front of you, then I think, you know, you can be successful in just about anything you put your mind to. So I'm a firm believer in that. I think your confidence grows over time mm-hmm. and you just, you, you have more confidence in yourself and that you can come into any situation and, and make a positive impact. And you know, by this time I'm up to like a VP level. And so there's an expectation that you come in and you are going to start you know changing some stuff and bring a new perspective to things. And I won't, let me, make sure that's clear. It's not because of the level I was at that that's an expectation. Back to the earlier discussion around interns and co-op students coming in, I think that's the expectation I have of them too. We're bringing Mm -hmm. people in to get different perspectives, um, different generations even on how to solve problems. Yeah, Because at at the end of the day, that's that's all that most jobs are, right? It's problem solving. The problems are different, but if you're kind of good at, you know, how to solve those problems, whatever they are, and are, you know, persistent and dedicated, and, you know, you communicate well, you get along with others, and you're not going to, you know, go off in a corner and solve it, but work together as a team, then that's kind of what it's all about. Is that what you like most about your job is solving problems? Yeah, it is. Uh, And at this point, I really like teaching others to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, it doesn't come naturally for some. And the problem solving piece, I'd say, has always come, come naturally for me. The, but there are other things that I've had to work on throughout my career around, you know, just communications, presentations, things like that, that now I do quite regularly and I'm very comfortable with. But, you know, constant journey to just try and better yourself. <laughs> we mentioned the Strava thing from a physical perspective, but from a professional yeah. perspective, you're always looking at what you can do to be better. And I found for myself throughout my career, I would always ask for the feedback on, you know, what is it that I can do to, you know, just do better and get better. And what are those stretch assignments and don't be afraid to ask for those things. Yeah. I think, you know, some of the lessons that we had implemented in the agile 
transformation certainly applies really at every level as well as professionally and personally. And so those retrospectives, you know, asking questions and trying to figure out, okay, what, what do we not do well and how do we fix that? How do we change that? And I've tried to instill that with, with my, my children who are grown now, but they're, um, you know, just, just not be afraid to fail, not be afraid to, you know, take, you know, a situation and make it a learning opportunity and, you know, try to figure out that doesn't matter that you, you were here, you know, I mean, certainly learn from it, but what's more important to me is like, where are you going from here? You know, pick yourself up and figure out what went wrong or, you know, a different way to attack a problem because maybe you didn't solve it. Um, those are always really good, valuable experiences. I think will work well in any company, any level, any situation. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that willingness to put yourself out there and take a risk didn't, doesn't come naturally for me. You know, I think I probably tend to overthink things and even in, you know, meetings, I'll not be the first one to just speak up. But as I've gotten more comfortable with, you know, myself and my own confidence, like I said, from a professional perspective, I do it much more now than I ever did before. And it, usually is questions that others have. And sometimes I'll even ask them now for the benefit of others to just kind of clarify that we understand things. Mm -hmm. And that curiosity is something that if you can get comfortable with that early on and not be afraid to speak up, ask questions. And like you said, fail is, uh, is something that it would be good for everybody to pick up early. Yeah, for sure. I know like when I've hired people, I would almost rather if I had to pick between passion or curiosity, I'd take curiosity anytime because passion can wane a little bit. You know, people say like, you know, do what, do what you love and you'll never feel like work. But I think if I always look for people that were willing to learn, eager to learn and curious and those drive questions and questioning status quo, you know, especially if you go through any sort of transformation or if you're consulting in any degree, you're trying to solve a problem that may be, you know, an institutional, you know, rust that's just not been really removed. And so there's friction throughout there. And so having those, the confidence, like you said, to ask a question and not be afraid to, um, to look outside the box for solutions is, um, I think, pretty critical to instituting any kind of change. Yep. I love it. I mean, it would get boring for me if you're doing the exact same thing every day, kind of knew yeah. what the day would look like going in. And mm -hmm. that's not the case for me. And I, I love that. Well, I think back about one of the jobs I had with the Olympics and, you know, everybody that I've talked to like, you got a cool job, man. I would never leave that. And I'm like, I don't plan on it. You know, I love sports and Olympics and it's technology and all that. But after three or four of those, it got to be routine. Every single one was the same. And, and I just... I wasn't learning anything new and got to the point where I was, you know, I hated, I hated to think that I'm going to leave this job, but I'm just, my growth is stunted and I need to do something different. So I think if you are in a place where you're able to learn and continue to grow, then that's really Nirvana to me. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I've, I've found that although I have not made that many career changes or you know, job changes throughout my career, every time I've, I've felt really confident and, it being the right decision. It just, it felt right. Like you're, and I'm happy in an environment if, you know, it's meeting all my needs from a professional perspective, mm -hmm. but in all cases, I felt like, like you said, you kind of, maybe your, your growth stunted and you need to look outside to keep growing. And that's what's led me to each of my new roles. Yeah. Well, I know you're doing well you're at and uh, congrats, man. One final question for you. If you could go back in time, 
what advice would you give yourself? It would definitely be to take more risks because uh, I mentioned before, I didn't come by it naturally, but I found that when I did and put myself out there, it's resulted in good things. And looking back at my career and, you know, the companies I've been at, I kind of, I feel like I kind of have a, a signature contribution or something that, you know, I can sit in an interview, for instance, and talk about confidently that, you know, I had a very big role to play in this from inception to completion. And those, those, uh, I guess, experiences didn't come without taking some level of risk. So I think um, calculated risk along the way would be the way I'd go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, there's, there's some people that are comfortable with faking it till they make it. And from the outside, they just look at, wow, this guy's got some real guts and, you know, or she's, you know, able to just jump in and, and throw anything at her and she can handle it. But yeah, underneath, you know, there's people, we all sort of deal with that anxiety a little bit differently. And I think once you get some reps in, you understand a little bit more about, you know, there's some patterns that you can kind of follow. And so, but yeah, taking risks um, and stepping outside your comfort zone, especially in your twenties, because you've, the, the downside's pretty low, you know, you're not expected to know everything in the world. And, you know, for a lot of them, you know, they're still single, they don't have kids, their responsibilities are somewhat low. So even if you did, I know like a lot of the folks that I've talked to have been in startups that, you know, have not done well or, have you know, gone out of business or been bought up or whatever, but you've learned a lot through that. And so I think just taking those risks early, one, it's the, the bar is pretty low for if you have to fail, but it also mm-hmm. gives you that habit of being able to jump in and take some calculated risk, you know, don't be stupid, but you know, you, you feel a little more comfortable doing that. Absolutely. And that's yeah. just going to, like you said, get the reps in because as you progress through your career, those, uh, those, that risk taking a lot of times it turns into something really good. Does your mountain biking uh, in, in, uh, enhance some of that risk-taking now? Oh, yeah. I try not to uh, take too many risks there because those trees don't move, and, and I could be moving pretty fast. So I've, uh, I've taken the tumble with them and the ground a few times, and I, I try not to repeat that. Yeah, not recommended for sure. Not at all. Well, great, Chris. Well, listen, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate you going through your career, talking through some of your your journey and challenges and best practices. Absolutely, Paul. I really appreciate you having me and I thank you for doing this. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Take care. You too.